Do you think that our karma, which is like a spiritual credit card, yep. does it drastically impact the way that we can fulfill our dharma? A hundred percent. How so? So your karmas, they are literally, like you said, like your debts that you have to pay off. Again, one of the reasons I love kundalini yoga is it's a path to liberation. And so one of the main teachings is that it actually clears those karmic imprints from your aura, from your subtle field, from your human experience, so that you actually don't have to like really incarnate four million times more to pay off every single debt that you oh, ever God. brought into any lifetime. Some people it is hard to discover their dharma because they're so loaded with karma that they can't even like, you know, swim up to the surface to see the light. You are the one you've been waiting for. Like you have everything you need inside of you. And if you can find that trust and you can find that belief, you really can bring yourself back together. Vanessa, we are not in Kansas anymore. We are not in Kansas. We're not in Venice. We're, we're not we're in San Diego in anymore, uh, right? The last time we actually hung out, it yeah. was in Venice, right? It was in Venice at Venice Ale House. I, I, I think that was pre-children, pre-Carrie Michelle, pre-everything. Pre-everything. Like, you met Carrie Michelle just like right after. And I just I remember so. when you met her, I was like, oh, that's the one. Yeah. When the goddess arrives, you have oh, to be ready. Oh my God. She's such a goddess too. Thank you. Thank like you. I, you know, her and I haven't spent that much time together, but I, I, I would think that she agrees with me on this because her and I had such a special connection and I just loved her immediately. Really cool. I just like went into her eyes and yeah. I was like, oh yeah, this is a sister. You have a really unique set of skills. Kundalini <laughs> yoga teacher, yes. Akashic Records course, wellness podcast. You like know. give people the breakdown, give them the skinny. <laughs> like who is Vanessa Lambert today compared to, to who she was like three years ago? Oh. Who, who is she today? Oh my gosh. Today she is primarily a Kundalini yoga teacher. Cool. Yeah, I really, really sunk into my destiny of that of that dharma and of that lineage, and it's so beautiful, and I'm so grateful. I like can't even believe I get to like steward this beautiful <laughs> technology, these beautiful wisdom codes, and um, with that, in kind of combination, I teach an Akashic Records certification. And there's a lot. So in my, so a lot of people, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Kashuk records, I'm sure we'll get into it, but we did a full show on it. So they know we, we'll no, link no, it in the show did, notes. We, we and did we it, did too. We no, we did a whole thing on authentic self. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yes. Which is, you know, authenticity. So we haven't talked about we the haven't talked together. about it. Okay. So yeah. we'll dive into that. Yeah. yeah. So, but one of the things I'll say about it before we dive in is that the Kashuk records, typically people teach it solo. Like it's its own kind of modality. Mm. And I, pair it with kundalini yoga and i think that the reason i do that and the reason i love kundalini yoga which is my initial point is that it's so beautiful and helps you hold so much and like you were saying i'm a woman of many talents it helps me hold it all yeah. and i would say that three years ago actually specifically three years ago i was someone who had a lot of interests a lot of talents a lot of you know stirring a lot of pots but i was struggling holding it all Mm. And, and it wasn't always as graceful as I wanted it to be. And Kundalini yoga gave me the grace to be with it all and to so, hold it powerfully. Yeah. So my understanding of Kundalini is like you breathe and there's this like rising that you get in your spine, break yes. down the aspects of Kundalini. If somebody has never done it, if they don't know anything about Kundalini, there's the Kundalini awakening. Yeah. Maybe we can start there. What is the Kundalini awakening? So the, the, the belief, the, the saying is that there's a, a 
of like an energy, like a coiled serpent of energy at the base of your spine. And as you do these practices, which include breath work and uh, chanting and asana and all of these different, you know, aspects of the teaching itself, it starts to unravel, uncoil the energy and it comes up your spine and it gives you this, this rising, this kundalini rising where all of this energy just starts to flood into your system. And that's exactly what happens and why you're able to hold more is that you're suddenly running more energy. You're running this kundalini force. And so it's just this really, really beautiful rising of energy. And what you know, what you do as a kundalini practitioner and as a yogi is you try to really harness that energy. And so the kundalini awakening to your next, you know, your next yes, little yes. stop on the on the, the train here, it's really when um, you know, the the kundalini energy floods the system. And so people might see these really crazy videos of like people shaking and all yeah. kinds of, I mean, it looks like maybe someone's even having a seizure or whatever, because mm -hmm. it's so much energy running through the system. And if the physical body isn't able to handle it, you can really start to almost have like an episode with it. So the reason yeah. that we train is so that we can hold the frequency and we can start to train the physical body to actually hold all of this amazing current that's coming through the system. Mm. And so that's what's really beautiful about the Kundalini teachings is that it, it uncoils this, this frequency and then it trains you to be able to hold it. Where does that origin of energy come from? Is it our life force energy? Like, cause it sits at the base of the spine. Mm -hmm. I even saw a clip and we'll, we'll put this in the show. Jim Carrey was talking about his Kundalini awakening Yeah, and he felt like there was just like energy, like electricity coming up his back. And I've heard people talk about this. I've never had one. Oh. I've had like lots of breakthroughs and different kinds of ceremonies, which yeah. maybe we can jam on, but, yeah. but the Kundalini, like you can get it through movement and breath. You don't need any plant medicine. Nothing. You don't need any uh, exogenous things at all. So yes. Break that down like the origin of that well so we really don't know the origin i mean we we know this idea that there's this like you know hub of energy sitting at the base of the spine but a lot of these teachings were you know cave yogis that were you know in like literally practicing these ancient technologies and they think that a lot of them were downloaded from the Akashic records, that they received these teachings through these meditative practices. And they actually, you know, started to understand that you could manipulate these frequencies and work with them. But we don't actually know where it came from. I mean, it was passed down from teacher to student, te student to teacher, all of that for you know, who knows how long people say 5,000 years, 50,000 years. And some people believe that, you know, it came from the Kashuk records and potentially even came from off planet from maybe other extraterrestrial, you know, civilizations who are more enlightened. So we really don't know. And it's kind of what makes it magical is we, we don't know. Yeah. But what we do know is our own anecdotal frequency, our own antidotal uh, energy with it and what we receive from it. So yeah. I think that's what's really unique about it is it's kind of mysterious, but it's really about you creating your own experience and your own relationship with the teachings. One of the things that fascinates me is science always tries to uh, define everything, which yes. is like, you know, I, I have a masculine core, but one of my biggest learning curves in life is to figure out like, what is this feminine energy inside of mm -hmm. me? Does, does Kundalini help people 
integrate energy so that they can then step out into the world and give that energy. Like for somebody that identifies as like a learning curve of yes. the feminine energy, yes. how would Kundalini help me personally? Because I haven't really done it. Yeah. Luckily I have Adam as my husband who, you know, who's very okay, he's like, you know, masculine. he's very in the masculine. So, yeah. you know, he's been practicing with me for a couple of years now. And, you know, I'll say things to him like, it's the serpent of energy coming up. And he's like, okay, what's really going on? Like what's actually <laughs> happening here? So yeah. he, he's really great because he tries to kind of dissect what we do know from a scientific perspective. Yeah. And what we do know is that it works on the central nervous system. Mm. So basically you're really working on like actually tuning the central nervous system so that you can kind of deal with yourself better. You can be in more harmony in your, you know, it can be, if we just put it in our, in our basic wellness terms, you know, you can be in the, what's the, what's the one we want to be in our central nervous system. We've got the, the, the parasympathetic, the parasympathetic. Thank yes, you. I was like, yes. so we, it gets us out of sympathetic drive and into the parasympathetic. Yeah. So we know that just kind of, you know, from like a scientific data set point, but we also know that like, there are all these teachings where they go beyond that. And they're really saying in the Kundalini practices that we're working on all 10 levels of the body. And when they talk about that, what they're saying is that, yes, you're, you're having this physical component, which is working on the central nervous system, but there's these other levels of self, which are emotional bodies, our spiritual bodies, and our mental bodies. And so the unique thing about Kundalini yoga that we're not probably going to be able to prove with science anytime soon is that it's working on all these levels of self that are, are there and that we're not usually tuned into actually working with them and harmonizing them. So that's kind of like, you know, if we're doing the practical and the magical comparison, we yeah. know practically it is helping us physically, but mystically, magically, it's helping these other levels of self that are more difficult to identify. Well, you've definitely got your feet and hands in the magical. Yes. Um, so, so Be The Wellness is a focus on wellness, but you yeah. don't talk about just wellness. I mean, I'm sure you've gone pretty deep into the esoteric realm. Yeah. I actually remember a conversation we had. I haven't thought about this until seeing you right now. Yeah. I was going into a journey in mm -hmm. Costa Costa Rica. I and I called this. you and I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm a little afraid. I'm feeling some resistance. And you like helped me really frame things properly. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, like, I actually ended up having a pretty severe experience I as, as I that. believe I shared with you mm -hmm. and, and the audience already knows, but, but I wonder, is there a way that you could use Kundalini to build a fortress or to, to make yourself more emotionally resilient mm -hmm. to ceremony of any kind. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not condoning nor putting away yeah. ayahuasca or any plant medicines. Like they have their place, but yes. as we're going to talk about today, like one of the things that you do is you help people without any medicine at all. Yeah. So if somebody was going to go into medicine, how would they use Kundalini to like prep their nervous system and really prep their psyche? Yeah. It's actually really important. We talk about this because one of the things with Kundalini yoga is that it's considered it's own distinct lineage. And what that means is that it actually doesn't want to be mixed with other modalities. Mm. By that, I mean that you wouldn't want to necessarily do Kundalini right before you go into a plant medicine ceremony. They actually almost are competing forces in a way. And even though they kind of take you to similar destinations, it's almost like you can't be on the same, on two different highways at the same time. So like you need to pick a lane and you need to be in that lane and do that practice. But with that said, if you're doing kundalini yoga, you're training, again, all, all 10 levels of self, all these levels of self that are really, really helpful to be in tip top shape when you're doing plant medicine work. And so I think that that's the thing about kundalini yoga is that it's a path. So is plant medicine. And, you know, you can you can decide which of those paths you want to be in in any given time, yeah. but you wouldn't want to necessarily combine them. And there's actually a lot of teachings around that in the kundalini yoga world 
where it's like, don't, you know, don't mix these two. The thing about it is that if you teach, if you talk to like really, you know, hardcore teachers, they're kind of anti-plant medicine. They'll, they'll actually say like that, mm. that is, you know, that's actually capitalizing on another energetic force. And what Kundalini yoga aims to do is train you to be that force. So you're literally becoming the technology. You're becoming an ayahuasca esque kind of consciousness and you're training that in yourself. Mm. I've done a lot of plant medicine and I, I've got, have had amazing experiences from it. So I don't necessarily like poo poo the plant medicine world because it's been so beneficial. And in a lot of ways, I think it brought me deeper into my Kundalini practice and understanding like, oh, this is maybe what's going on, you know, in the ether, we could say. Yeah, and yeah. so I, I think that like they can be compatible, but not at the same time. Yeah. It seems to me like it would be like pouring gasoline on jet fuel. Yes, like, exactly. Like it would be just a little too open. Exactly. I've mentioned this term before. I'm curious if you've heard this, be careful of unearned wisdom. Uh, no, well, this is Yogi Bhajan, the teacher who brought the teachings to the West. He came at the time where it was, you know, uh, the LSD era. So like everybody was high on LSD and, he, yeah. you know, they were kind of lost in the poppy field. And so he was really helping people kind of come back into their own wisdom body because in a lot of ways they had been sort of taken into this other realm. Mm -hmm. And so exactly what you're saying, you know, it was like if you go, if you're too far and you're too, sort of too out there, the, the Kundalini can kind of help bring you back. But like together, exactly. It could be a supernova. <laughs> uh, which my son's I name know, is Nova. I know. Okay. That's why I had to throw that in. <laughs> so in Wyoming, mm -hmm. um, I assume y'all moved out there because you felt like it was a landing pad for Be the Wellness and your retreats and we can talk about your event too. Yeah. Um, what actually put you out there to where you were like, okay, this is our home. This is where we're gonna do our work. This is where we're gonna live. Cause I don't necessarily associate Wyoming and spiritual development. <laughs> Totally. In the same thing. So w to yeah. walk us through that. Yeah. So, I mean, it started kind of like very just uh, problem solving. <clears throat> we were trying to get out of California as all of us were right yeah. in the, in the 2020 the era. Exodus. Yes. <laughs> and our company was registered as a Wyoming corporation. And so we were like, well, we didn't know where we wanted to go. Adam had secretly always wanted to live in Wyoming. So I think this all comes down to like his manifestation. Okay. But we, we were like, well, let's, let's just be practical let's move out there. Let's establish our residency and like, let's just have a home base there. And then we can figure out where we want to go next. We got out to, uh, to Jackson hole specifically, which is where we live. And then all of a sudden we were like, Oh my gosh, this place is a portal. Like it is so high energy. I, I honestly do not know why people don't talk about this place as the incredible vortex that it is. Does it compare to Sedona? Oh my God. It's different. Uh, it's, it's a different energy, yeah. but a hundred percent. It's mm. that kind of frequency. And you have the Tetons. Do you know about the Teton mountain range? I've seen photos. I mean, yeah. they are like these impeccable energy, like vortex, I mean, transmitters, holders. I don't know what the right word is, but it's like when you get in, in their presence, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in the presence of something really, really deep. And oh. so when we got out there, I was like, I think we're supposed to be here. I think we're supposed to actually help seed this area as like a place of 
quote unquote enlightenment or like, you know, whatever yeah. that you have, whatever term you want to give that. Like, I felt like we were almost assigned to, to bring that energy and to kind of like turn it up there. Probably. Cause that's where you started the star seed yes. collective, right? So, yes. so when you said seeding, like that's exactly where my mind went. Like, yep. So star seed, it's not just for people that want to play in the esoteric realms. Like so, what's, what's that actually, who's it for? So uh, here's the thing is be the wellness is like, the more masculine boy child. It's more of the- And you and Adam still do the pod together. So we haven't been doing the pod for like a year now. We no. took a little break, but we're going to bring it back. Okay, like cool. it's definitely on my list of like, you know, goals to bring it it's back. It's work. People don't realize like <sighs> having a podcast, publishing multiple episodes a week, it's oh. a job. I mean, it's a labor of love. Like I love this, Yes, but it's, it's legitimate work. It's a lot of work and people yeah. do not realize that. I mean, booking the guests and just all of it, it's so much work. And we just got to the point where we were like, okay, we've done almost 300 episodes or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. And we were like, okay, let's take a break and let's just pause this for a second and, and kind of just go into these other realms, which was Starseed Collective for me. And I feel like Starseed Collective is more of the feminine girl child of us. You know, it's kind of like the one where you can go into the feminine, into mm. the esoteric teachings. And so it is more weighted in that, in that direction, mm -hmm. but you have kind of, you know, the polarity and the balance between be the wellness and starseed collective. And what I love about that is like, you can get in where you fit in. So like, if you're a little bit more into the physical or the practical, mm -hmm. there's somewhere on the continuum in our world where you'll fit right in. And then if you want to go deeper, you can kind of start, you know, wading into the pool over in starseed collective and, and going a little bit more esoteric with me. You know, it's cool that people might not get from you if they hadn't heard our other podcast we did. I think it was in an apartment in Santa Monica or it something. It was, yeah. Actually, it was in Jade Tita's old apartment, yes. which is crazy. <laughs> I remember the um, name now. I'm yeah. having like memory lane right now. <laughs> yeah. So so people don't know this about you. You had a really big athletic endeavor. Like you and Adam, you were a firefighter and then you met him, yeah. right? When he was also a firefighter. Yep. And then you created your community there. But CrossFit was a huge part of your life. So I think it's really cool to see where you are now and to experience you now, because you, you appear to me as like a very deeply spiritual woman, but maybe that was, or maybe that wasn't the case when y'all started. Well, so I feel like I've always had that kind of deep spiritual connection because of where, where I was raised in Northern California. And so mm. you have that just kind of as a bedrock of your existence there. There's just so much of that kind of, of Norco. So I'm from a little town called Kelseyville, which is just over the hill from like Napa, St. Helena, so it's, it's, you know, redwood country, it's weed country. It's like, you know, Emerald triangles, it's all of that oh, stuff yeah. up there. Yeah. And so you definitely have that just woven into the tapestry of your childhood. But I definitely like in those years in those, you know, formative years of Adam and my relationship, we really were in the physical and we were both firefighters. We we're competing CrossFit. We were like, we're doing the damn thing. Yeah. But always in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, I know you can take you can take yourself really, really far with the physical teachings, but at some point you have to bring in that complementary spiritual guidance or else you just, you kind of hit this place where you're like, I'm, I have the diet's good. I have a 24 pack abs. Like, <laughs> I'm, you know, like I did all yeah. the things, yeah. but like there's something else mm. that I just want to get to. 
Or if you are, you know, stuck, like you're, you you know, you're doing all the physical things or you're really, really trying to get to a place, but you can't quite get there. Then that's when you are also like, okay, well, I need to look at the emotional and spiritual body because, you know, I want to do, I want to eat well. I want to like go work out. I want to go do those things. But like something about where I'm living in my heart isn't allowing me to take those actions and live in that space. Mm. So I always felt like, you know, there was this, there was kind of this like other side where I was like, eventually I'm going to start bringing this in more. And that was our first podcast was authentic self, which was my first kind of lean into that side of things and those teachings and helping people come into their authenticity. And then, you know, over the years I was like, you know what? I'm going all the way. I'm going, I'm yeah, going, you, I'm going full spiritual. You definitely did. You and Adam <laughs> yeah. did too. I remember we were sitting in your backyard in Santa Monica mm-hmm. and I was like, wow, you guys go pretty deep into these journeys and into this work. And he's like, yeah, I just like to test myself yeah. and see how far I can go. <laughs> now, now I think for, for someone like yourself that like had that kind of mystical NorCal upbringing and then you met him and you, you both went on a spiritual journey together, you might be able to test yourselves more yeah. than the average person. It doesn't yeah. mean you're better. It just means like you, you've, you're further along the path. You're not up here. You're just, you're further along. But yeah. when people are starting this and you said something really cool, you said, I'm different than a place that resides in my heart. Yeah. Like I'm doing all these other things. Like I have the 24 pack abs, but, yeah. <laughs> but there's some kind of, of residue or there's some kind of maybe past trauma or just something mm-hmm. in the heart. Like the wisdom of the heart is fucking powerful. Yeah. And even, you know, if you look at some of Hawkins work, he talks about the, the biggest space for us is between our head and our heart. Yep. Sometimes for some people it could be like 15 miles between. Yeah. It's actually only a couple of feet, depending <laughs> on how tall you are. So, so, with that as a backdrop, like how did you figure out yourself and what in your heart was like maybe incongruent with what you were doing that, that you had to change? Yeah. I mean, I think it was just being a coach for so long, right? I mean, you know this, you work with people all the time and it's like, you just see where people hit their own blocks and you're just like, okay, there's something that I want to help these people break through in order to get that next level of attainment. Yeah. And so for me, it was just like, okay, well, I need to figure out how to help these people because I was lucky, like you said, to come in with a certain level of that, you know, the compass of my life growing up had some of these components, but I wanted to like figure out how can I distill this down and make it meaningful and helpful for and people. Practical. And practical. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's what I love about Kundalini Yoga. It's like, you could do 10 minutes a day. You could do tw- you know five minutes a day and you'll start to see real world changes. And this isn't about like, oh, do these things because uh, your teacher, your guru or your whatever tells you to. It's like do something and then see if anything in your life changes. Mm-hmm. Like we want you to be the judge of your own of your own experience. I'm not like, oh, aren't you feeling better now? <laughs> it's like, how are you feeling now? You know, you want people, you want to help people come into their own experience of it. And so I think that that was like really, that that was the pathway for me where I was like, okay, what's a technology? What's a way that I can help people have their own sovereign experience and then see real world results? Mm, that's a big word, sovereignty. Yeah, it's my it's favorite actually, word. Well, it's, on, it's on your site. Like, yeah. like the way that you work with people is really about getting them to be purely sovereign yes. in our modern world. I yeah. remember reading that yesterday. Yep. And, I, and I thought about that word. I'm like, that's such a overused word mm. in the self-help space. Like, you know, be sovereign, be so. What did you have to let go of or what did you have to grow through in order to actually embody sovereignty? And then what the hell is sovereignty? What yeah. does it even mean in our world? Okay, I love that you asked this question because I actually really think that what we're up against this in this planet, on this planet, like the game of earth, if you want to call it like earth experience, earth yeah. school, yeah. 
we live in a, an experience of polarity. So we're living in this negative and positive exchange. And so we are all kind of like dealing with that all of the time. And if we don't realize that, what's happening to us is we're getting polarized back and forth, negative, positive, negative, positive. And whatever's happening for people around you, whatever's happening in your family or, or whatever you're involved with is taking you on a journey to either negative or positive, negative or positive. Mm. And when you're not sovereign, you just go on the joy ride with whatever's happening. When you're sovereign, you can zoom back from it. And you can say, which current do I want to be on? Do I want to be positive? Do I want to be negative? Do I want to be neutral? Where do I want to live in this continuum of positive and negative? And to me, that's sovereignty. That's actually having the understanding that this thing's going on and then choosing for yourself where you want to live in it. Yo, this is so fascinating. I, I'm, I've mentioned it once. I'll mention it now. I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book. Mm, and congrats. the book is about emotional epigenetics, oh, wow. which really touches on exactly what you're describing. Yeah. The way that life takes us for a joy ride or a hell ride yep. because we really lack the resilience. And, and let's be honest, more the awareness of what we've been imprinted with. Yes. Like, And it's not that anyone, I want to be really clear. It's not that we're better than our grandparents or our great greats. It's just that we have been afforded a lifestyle where we can be more aware of it. Yeah. You know, the things that were literally almost like a calf being branded yeah. to, to quote something that you might see in Wyoming, like yep. people, people are branded with, Oh, we're the Smiths. We're alcoholics. Yeah. Oh, we're the Oboigans. We're obese. Yes. Oh, we're the Lamberts. We're blank. Was there something in your lineage that you had to identify in order for you to be sovereign? I mean, there's all kinds of things in my lineage, right? There's, there's alcoholism, there's, um, you know, self-sabotage, there's codes around money and abundance. There's all yeah. kinds of things that I could identify where I was very clear. Like, I don't want to just be another byproduct of this, this lineage that I'm born into. Mm -hmm. I want to choose my own lineage. I want to be sovereign about my human experience. And I want to actually have the capacity to make those very distinctive choices. So, I mean, it's not like there was one, but I could see how it all sat like a cornucopia on the table. And I was like, okay, you can just, you know, roll into the table and like, just, you know, wallow in all of this stuff that was handed to you. Or you can actually push back at the table and decide like, what do you want to indulge in? What was the hardest one to be like, goodbye. Mm. And, and when that happened, what did it afford you? Like, what were you able to do? So for example, for me, the big one was like money causes pain and rich people can't be trusted. Uh, that yeah. was a deep one. Yeah. Like growing up on welfare in East County, San Diego, and like just going through my own death process about what money actually is. That was my stuff. Yeah. And actually, you know, there's still a residue that I'm at 42 still cleaning up. Right. Yeah. And it's cool because the more I'm honest about it, the less power it has. Yeah. I'll talk about this shit all the time because the more that I do, the less control that it has over me. And, mm. and to quote you, the more I'm not able to be taken on a, a joy ride or a hell ride by it. Yeah. So what, what was that for you? Like, what was the big one? Ugh, I think trust. Honestly, you know, and I was raised, I wasn't raised religious at all. So when I thought about God as a concept, I was like, oh, that's like Christian, whatever. That's like, you know, it, it's some religious. A bearded it, dude in the sky. Exactly. <laughs> so I had all this connotation. So it was like, well, I can't, I can't really like have a thing with God because I'm not Christian or I'm not whatever. But so that actually pushed me away from like a deep connection with spirit. 
And so when I realized like, oh, I'm actually pushing away, whether you call it God or whatever you identify that that yeah. experience as, when I was pushing away from that, I was actually like not trusting that there was something else that had my back. There was some universal force of love that had me no matter what. And so to step into that trust and to step into like the deep, deep love of God of spirit and know that like something has me and no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. That was a big one. How did Adam hold you when you, mm -hmm. when you went through that? Well, it's so that's funny. that's a skill set for, for a man to be able to hold a woman in that way. Yeah, for sure. And we were both kind of of that same framework where it was like God was for like certain people, right? And a lot of people get triggered by the word God. Like that's the other thing. People get really triggered. We're in Texas, so we could say I was God angry here. At, I was angry at God <laughs> yeah. for tw 20, almost 30 years yeah. before I realized where my anger came from. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so I remember I had this one plant medicine ceremony and God showed up. And we went on this beautiful journey together and I came out of that ceremony and I was like, oh my God, I love God. Like, like I get to have God, like that's a thing for me now, you know? And, and I remember thinking like, you know, I had to like defragment all of the, the structural stuff that had been imprinted yeah. in me around what God meant. And then, you know, I got to have that for myself. And I remember Adam at that time, you know, I was like, oh my God, I love God. And, you know, kind of wigged him out a bit because he's like, oh, you're going to do like the God thing are now. You're like, going to do like the born again. Yeah. Like, are we going the Bible God, everywhere? Right? Yeah, exactly. So I think he, you know, it took him a minute to understand, like when I'm talking about God, I'm talking about like God for me, my relationship. And they, oh, you hear this, like it's about your own personal relationship with God, right? Like this is a spiritual teaching we've all heard. And I finally understood that. And I was like, oh no, it's not about any of that other stuff. It's about your own relationship. And I felt like, oh, I finally have that. And so I think once Adam came around to that, he was like, okay, got it, cool. And now now he has his own experience of it. He doesn't necessarily, he's not like a God lover. I'm like, I love God, me and God are best friends. <laughs> like, I'll really shout it because it doesn't have all of that that like jargon context to me anymore. It has a real meaning for me. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, it, once he understood that, then he was really able to drop into it and be like, all right, cool, you, you've got your thing. That's awesome. I'm sure some of the people that come your way you get to unpack their distrust, their anger about God, or just let's, sure. let's just say about a higher power. Yeah. Cause maybe that word is triggering for people, yes, right? Yes. I, I essentially think it means the same thing. It's just been bastardized. It's been controlled by been kind of the darker side of the patriarchy. Yep. I agree. And, and so, and I'm not a big proponent. We don't need to talk about the patriarchy. I think the more yeah. we talk about things it actually feeds them. Yes. Yeah. But, but I do word. think that, we're all doing the best we can. I'm not like a hundred percent sold on everything Brene Brown says. Yeah. But when she said that, when she was like, I truly believe that everyone's doing the best they can. Ugh. It just hits me. I'm like, yeah, yes. they're doing the best they can with the level of consciousness that they have at any given moment. A hundred percent. So when people come your way, like, how do you be, it's such a complicated question. Mm. How do you start to unravel and unpack all the ways that they've been imprinted about faith, spirituality, mm. understanding that it's not just what we see, you know, it's definitely what we feel and what we sense. How yeah. do you begin that process? Yeah, I want to answer that. But before we move on, I want to actually just stay one more moment on the word God, because the thing about it is, is it's actually a sound current. And in the Kundalini teachings, we, we learn a lot about sound frequency. 
and there are mantras that are specific to help unlock things in our lives. And God is one of them. And so when we actually deny the sound current of God, G-O-D, we're actually taking out of our vocabulary a really, really powerful sound current. So it's it's very interesting that some people get really triggered around it and they want to reject that the literal sound current of it yeah. because it's actually a very powerful vibratory field. So if you're out there and you're thinking like that, I don't want I don't want to use that word. I would just say, you know, think of the vibration of it and maybe sit with the vibration of it and see if it unlocks something in you. And and that is what, you know, I think again back to the sovereignty. It's like have an experience of what the of the vibration and see if there's any message in it for you because if you just avoid it at all costs, you may never actually get a direct experience of what the vibration is giving you. Ain't that the truth? Because yeah. we're mostly water and then yes. our voice box vibrates. Exactly. And then, and then that is what we feel that it, creates our sense of feeling. It changes your literal cell, like the, the cellular structure in your body. I've even heard and seen some research. I think it was from Andrew Huberman where doing the didgeridoo yeah. and singing can, yes. can help to heal trauma. Yeah. So if anybody's like, oh, whatever, Vanessa, I don't need to say the word God. Like every time I speak to you and you speak to me, our cells are absorbing yes. whatever vibration is going out. Exactly. It's both scientific and spiritual. It is. It, it's Mystical both. and practical. It's great. What I do you make it. of that? Well, you know, I think the thing I, w- I would point <clears throat> people to is Dr. Uh, Masuru Emoto. Oh, yes. You know his stuff? Amazing. Yes. And so he did yeah. all of these composites of um, basically he would he would project sound current at these water droplets. He would freeze the water droplets and he would put them under a microscope and you could see the formations of the water droplets. And when you would when he would, you know, put on like Beethoven or he would project really beautiful sound current, the water droplets would create these magnificent shapes and structures. And then when he would project something like, I hate you, I want you to die, they would start becoming all disjointed and irregulated. So I I think that that was one of the most impactful things for me to see because I was like, no, literally the sound current is what's changing the structural embodiment of everything. And so I think that that's really, really important for people to understand. And so, you know, I don't know that he specifically projected God at anything. Maybe we should make a request about that. But it's, it's the idea, right? It's like, literally, you know, if, if you're not allowing yourself to have some of these beautiful sound currents, you may not be making those mm. incredible shapes inside of your cellular structure. What do you think people don't allow themselves to experience the most when it comes to words or frequency or vibration? In other words, what holds people back from receiving this both spiritual and scientific vibration of I, love, of support? Yeah, I really think it's trust. I really think it's trust. I mean, we've been so disjointed and so like deharmonized in this world. And it's, it is, I mean, I believe in a way that it's part of the beauty and the magic of earth is that we, you know, we're pulled apart and then it's our job to put ourselves back together. Right. So like, that's part of the beauty, but sometimes we get stuck in that fragmented space and, and we, we don't believe, we don't trust that there's a way back And I think that's the biggest thing. And so this is why you see so many people looking for gurus and teachers and plant medicines. It's like they want something else to put them back together because they don't trust, they don't believe that they have it inside to do it for themselves. And not that all those things can't be wonderful helps or helpers or, you know, modalities, whatever we Mm -hmm. want to call them. 
but you are the one you've been waiting for. Like you have everything you need inside of you. And if you can find that trust and you can find that belief, you really can bring yourself back together. All right, we're done podcasting. You can can just drop that (laughs) mic. drop. No, the reason I feel so strongly about this is because uh, in partnership and especially being a dad and and when kids come into your life, and even if you just caretake children, right? Or or your business could be a child. But like for me specifically, like seeing Nova, Mm -hmm. the way that he reminds me about allowing these vibrations to occur. When he's happy, he's full blown happy, Mm -hmm. fully fucking expressed. Yeah. (laughs) And then when he's sad, he's fully sad. Right. He's really sad. And I just it reminds me how much that I was just talking to friends this weekend. It reminds me of how much even now with all my training and my awareness that like there are times when I don't hold my child. Mm-hmm. I just don't hold them. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh, you need to mash that down. You gotta make some money. You gotta do these things. And in a beautiful way, like that masculine source inside me is what gets things done. Mm-hmm. But I'm reminded by the feminine inside of my son mm-hmm. that like it's okay to just hold yourself if you yes, cry. Yes. And sometimes that can be the most potent medicine yes. for any human being, man or woman. Mm, well said. Another mic drop. <laughs> because what you're talking yes. about is vibration. So sometimes yeah. I feel the vibration. I don't feel safe enough to feel it 100%. Or, or to hold it. Yeah. And to, to trust that you have the capacity to know what to do with it. So it's a lot easier to shove it over here and say, I'll get back to you later because you're like, I don't know if I have the tools for this. Like mm-hmm. what happens if I unleash this emotion. Will I be loved? Will people accept me? Will I be ostracized? Like what Will I be th- seen as weak? That's a big one yeah, for men. for sure. Will I be seen as weak yes. if I am sad or if I'm too emotional? Yes. And there is some truth to that. I mean, if, if Adam's just this gushy dude all the time, you're gonna be like, where's my man? Yes. Right. There's a balance. How do we balance this? For sure. Well, I think that's the polarity we were talking about. It's that that's masculine right. and feminine, that negative, positive. That's the whole vibration that we're living in. So it's just about deciding, okay, I have attainment in both of these areas. I can be masculine. I can be feminine. What is appropriate for the moment? What combination? What, you know, what should I pull in Mm, as this special elixir for what's being called for in this moment? You know, if you've got a, a, like, you know, pull your car out of a ditch, like, you know, well, actually you might, you might dig into the deep feminine then because (laughs) we know that women can lift cars cars off kids. Yeah. But, you know, you you have to conjure up the appropriate elixir for the moment. And I think that that's what people don't realize is that you're always kind of being in this alchemy of, of what is appropriate for the moment and, and having the trust that you know what the appropriate combination is for the given situation. And that knowledge only comes through experience. Yes. Like yes. It's, it's no knock on like a 21 year old life coach, but you've only been around for a little bit. Like you haven't, <laughs> and, and maybe somebody can be an ascended master at that young age. I don't for know, sure. probably not too often. Well, I think that there's a certain level of attainment everyone brings in, in their life. And so you do see these really embodied, you know, young people, or you see these, you know, prodigies. And the way that we talk about that actually in the Kundalini yogic teachings is that you had that in your auric field. You were holding that attainment when you came into this life. Mm. And so you're able to kind of, like you said earlier, be a little further along the road. Yeah. And so there are some people that are just further because they brought the attainment in in this lifetime. And so now all of our, you know, our next the next phase of this is to actually just move that attainment to the next level. I'm really curious about this. And it's another conversation I had this weekend. So let's get into it. It was four men at the table. So I'm curious, a feminine perspective. I asked to the table and two of them were podcasters. 
I said, do you think that our karma, which is like a spiritual credit card, does it drastically impact the way that we can fulfill our dharma? And everybody had a different answer. It's my favorite question. I'm curious how you feel. Because essentially like the wrongdoings of the past, and by wrongdoings, I just mean not out of shame, but just like when you hurt someone or when you cause somebody else pain or yourself pain or when you went against your soul, does that drastically impact our fulfillment or our capacity to fulfill our dharma or our purpose on, in this 100%, 100%. world? 100%, 100%. How so? So your karmas are actually our samskaras, some people refer to them. They are literally, like you said, like your debts that you have to pay off. Again, one of the reasons I love kundalini yoga is it's a path to liberation. And so one of the main teachings is that it actually clears those karmic imprints from your from your aura, from your subtle field, from your human experience, so that you actually don't have to like really incarnate four million times more to pay off every single debt that you Ooh, ever brought into any lifetime. And so part of the the path of liberation in Kundalini Yoga through these teachings is that you're clearing out these karmic debts. Because if we're just in debt, then we're basically indentured servants here on planet Earth. And we're coming here just to constantly be in this payback scenario. And so absolutely they, they impact everything. And that's why, you know, some people is hard to discover their Dharma because they're so loaded with karma that they can't even like, you know, swim up to the surface to see the light of what could be possible for them. And the beautiful thing about these teachings is that they actually help you to become more buoyant, to come up to the surface and start to see the light and not be so weighted down by these karmic imprints. So you get people, I think it's kind of like a Trojan horse in a way. You get people to do the Kundalini physical practice, yeah. energy practice. Yep. And then at some point, I'm sure for some of your students, they start to get interested in the Akashic records. Or, yeah. or is it it's, the other way around. It's kind of interesting. Some come in for the Akashic records and then they're kind of shocked by the Kundalini teachings that accompany the the, the training. So it's, it's kind of like it, you could come in either way. Some people are super attracted to it because they're like, I know about the Akashic records, but given that you're doing it with Kundalini yoga, I can feel it's going to be a higher vibration or a bigger impact. So they'll come in for that as well. So like it, everybody's a little bit different, but I think the Trojan horse part of it is that like you you get them just doing something simple that they're comfortable with and that you're just like, hey, just start out here. And then you allow them to like unveil to themselves. Holy cow. This is like a much bigger thing than I realized. Is that how it happened with Danny? Yeah. Danny, is that how it happened with you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Danny's in the studio right now because right when you, y'all came in, yes. you were like, oh, we're, we work together, but we started as teacher student. Yes. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yes. So there's a living testament to, to what you do. And maybe she's one example, but like many people, they start in fitness, like maybe you and I did, yes. where, where we, and I believe this too in my teachings, because we haven't had time to talk about this, but I, I used to follow Paul's work, Paul yeah. Checks, you mm-hmm. know, the, the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual. Yes. I actually added financial on oh, top of that. Thank you. And I made it a, a Pentagon. So that's all that we teach in our programs. It's in the Breathe program. And and I really feel like the, the intelligence of all those things is what we signed up for, mm. but everyone starts traditionally at the physical, there's some kind of potent power to start there, whether it's personal training or whether it's um, the yoga practice. Why do you think that is? I think because it's a way that people actually get in touch with themselves. It's a place where they actually feel themselves. They're like, oh, I'm in a body, I'm in an experience. And so I think that that's a way for people to kind of get this this inroads to like, 
oh, something's happening here. I can elicit change through my actions, through my practices, through my discipline, through whatever, you know, input you want to put in there. But it's like, it's the first place where they see they have some kind of control over the reality they're living into (sighs) and they can see the changes. And so I think that's why a lot of people start with the physical. The other reason is that we're coming out of a Piscean era. So where we are astrologically in this timeline, where the stars are and how everything is aligned right now, we're coming out of a Piscean era, which was much more masculine, which was much more about being in that kind of, uh, in that, you know, the, the embodied force, the deeper force. And so we're moving into an age of Aquarius. And then the age of Aquarius, this is the age of information where we have access to everything. So I think that there's like this part and parcel thing where people can finally identify themselves in the physical body first and then decide, okay, I want to move this thing forward. And then astrologically, we're actually in a timeline where that's happening collectively. We could go in one of many thousand (laughs) fractal directions based on what you said. But intuitively, I feel like the best place to start is this. The physical, as as what you spoke about, is where people can get a, a starting place. It's like they know they're having an experience is yes. what you said. Yep. So that's also paradoxically what I believe the Watiko or the dark energy in the world is trying to corrupt first and foremost, Ugh. whether it's our air or chemtrails or the food and the bullshit additives in food or the Roundup Ready. I mean, and not only that, the whole pandemic yeah. bullshit, the mind yeah. control that we went through. And then we look at Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. It seems like there's an equal and opposite force. Yes. Where there's this loving force that like, you know, you embody it. I, I, I feel that from you. Mm. And right you. there's also this radical fucking darkness yeah. that I know that we all, I know y'all feel this. We all feel it all yeah. the time. Yeah. How do we... I guess you could say sovereign, be sovereign in that space so we don't get taken on the joy ride of the media and the food additives and whatnot. Is that what you teach the students when they come into the Akashic program or into the yogic program? I'm sure that it has to be dealt with. Yeah. Just ha- this awareness of the dark and light. A hundred percent. And it goes back to exactly what I, was, what I was saying about the polarity. The brighter the the bright and the light gets, the darker the dark gets. And so we're seeing the more extremes of the polarities start to really activate. And so this is where this neutral mind, this power to be in neutrality is becoming even more important than it ever has before because mm. the pol- polarization, and we see it in everything, I mean, we're so polarized on this planet, right? You saw it during the 2020, 21 years. It was like polarity was the game. You were either all the way in that camp. I'm so exhausted with that game. Yes, it's it's exhausting. I I am not a fan of that game at all. It's exhausting. And I think you're right. You know, as the light grows brighter, the dark grows darker. And so it's actually more important than ever to have the capability to understand that that's happening and to have an energy body that can buffer the extreme pressure of polarity right now. Mm. And so when we talk about that through like a Kundalini perspective, what we're really saying is that you're building your auric field, you're building the energy field around you so that the, the light and the dark, they just don't penetrate as much unless you let them in. And so you're actually able to hold things a little bit further away from you energetically and then you get to decide what am I going to distill into my energy field because I want to work with it. Why do we let it in? Well, I think that becomes the part of the sovereign experience. You decide, do I want to let more of this positive current in because that's where I feel like I'm going to be the most creative embodied human 
Or is it appropriate to let a little bit of darkness in and let it teach me something about myself and to have an experience with it because it's appropriate for where I am in my journey? But I think it's about gaining the mental and emotional faculties to understand, like, what do I want to let in and what do I want to work with and why? Mm, I love this. It's because, so good, right? <laughs> well, because I just went through this training and actually some of the audience members came with me. It was called Rewire. Oh, oh beautiful. And it was with uh, Scott Jackson, who's now a brother, but he's very focused on this barrier that mm. we create as a protection mechanism because of trauma and things that happen that really hurt. Like yeah. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to just be like, totally spiritually bypassing that trauma does not occur because trauma occurs for all of us. I think it's probably just part of our contract. For sure. It's what we sign up for. Yes. Otherwise it wouldn't be happening. Yes. So this barrier that I've learned about, it's between the conscious and the unconscious yeah. and 90% or maybe even more that some science is showing us is like how I just respond to you because of my programming. Your programming. I'm yeah. a program. Yeah. And 10% of it is only conscious. I mean, I'm just like, how yeah. could that possibly be true? But I, I learned this concept over and over again. So now I turn the mirror on myself and I ask myself like on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, mm. what is what have I put into this barrier between my conscious and my unconscious yeah. that blocks me from loving, that blocks me from connecting, that blocks me from being fully fucking myself. Yeah, I know. What I do you think you. are the components of that barrier? Like what's in there for, for the collective? Hey, I hope you're loving this podcast with Vanessa Lambert as much as I am. Quick break to talk about HVMN, otherwise known as health via modern nutrition. You know, a lot of the reasons why we feel depleted in life or we feel burnt out is because we're not actually giving our body the fuel substrate that it needs to really satiate the energy demands that our current modern world demands upon us. This is where ketones come in. My friends at HVMN make an energy drink called Ketone IQ. I've been using it since last year and now it's my only afternoon tool that I use and not caffeine. <laughs> caffeine is a wicked roller coaster. You can do this instead of caffeine. This is your new caffeine replacement. No caffeine, no sugar, just clean on-demand energy for superior physical and mental performance. Ketones are essentially nature's super fuel. You've heard me talk about the fasting benefits that we get from ketones, but this is a way you get all the benefits without starving yourself. Michael Brandt was on the show and he said something really powerful. He said, ketones are a different fuel substrate. So they're a more sustainable fuel source that creates much less oxidative stress when consumed, which means if you use ketones over a sustained period, that is going to improve the quality of your cognition, of your metabolism, and essentially of your life. One of the biggest benefits I get is to tame my hunger hormone ghrelin. This is what makes me feel full for way freaking longer. If you've been looking for a coffee alternative, look no further than Ketone IQ. Just head over to joshtrent.com forward slash HVMN. Enter the code Josh, you get 20% off. You can use the little portable shots. You can buy the bigger bottles. You can do the recurring delivery, save some money, get some more energy without caffeine. joshtrent.com forward slash HVMN. Use the code Josh to save 20% off. I mean, I think that, uh, again, back to the programming, right? Like there, because the dark forces are so strong on the, on the planet right now, there's a lot of fear and there's all kinds of ideas about why this is true. And I'm sure maybe some of your audience members have heard this. Maybe they haven't. I mean, there's even ideas that there's like, you know, off planet entities Reptiles, that yeah. are like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, right? And we can go into all those corners of why that might be the case. 
why, you know, why our light bodies are, you know, being pressurized or, or under attack, if we want to use that word, just just to be dramatic. Right. Yeah. But I think that, you know, ultimately what we really want to do is we just want to we, we don't want to worry so much about what's coming at us. We want to just find the practices that make us safe and sovereign in our own experience. And so it kind of doesn't matter what your unique barrier is because you're all going to have something different. Right. Maybe you're trying trauma is going to be around family. Maybe other person's trauma is going to be around money. Whatever the program is, it's going to be your own unique kind of amalgamation of experience. But like what we really, really want to dive into is like, okay, what do we do about it? Like, you know, in the end, what are the tools that you bring in that make you feel like you have a greater command over what's happening? And the fact that you even know that, you know, that barrier's there and you're actually activating to like get curious about it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Like mm-hmm. you, now you've already won the game. Right. Now it's just playing the game now it's- <laughs> with a smile instead of getting angry that the Monopoly board didn't give you Park Place or yes. something like. And I catch myself. I catch myself because like responsibility of life and business is real for us. Yes. And I know people feel it like there's never been a more exciting, beautiful time to be sovereign and have your own business and do what your heart wants you to do. And in true paradox, it's it's from my vantage point at least, never been a more competitive place to do so. So it's like you said, as the light shines higher, then it exposes more of the dark. Mm-hmm. And I wonder for you, like my signature tool is breath work. And I also do a lot of light therapy and I've just been walking in nature. Like what are some other practical things that you teach your students? And, and also that you do for you Yes, that allows us to have less of that barrier mm-hmm. and be more resilient and more sovereign. Yeah. I mean, breath work is massive. I think that if you are working with the breath, you're essentially giving yourself more fuel. You're essentially giving, you know, the, the car more gas. So I breath, yeah. it, breath is just like fundamental. Um, I use sound a lot. So I work a lot with mantra and I think there's so many incredible, like we were talking about with the God sound current, there's mm-hmm. so many high level frequency sound currents through the, the, the study and the practice of using mantra. You can literally change the vibratory field around you by bringing in those sound currents and working with them. And then I think the other one that I work with is cold therapy. I've mm. gotten really into, I take a cold shower every single morning. I do cold plunges most days. That's probably easy in Wyoming. Oh my gosh. And actually back to your point of how we ended up in Wyoming. I, I'm not kidding. I actually think part of the contract is for me to like have this cold experience and actually understand the wisdom that cold can unveil you to and that you can actually start to work with the codes of what cold creates for you. And so those three for me are massive. Like, I mean, in my my daily practice, I'm a devotional being. I, I have a practice every day that's in devotion to developing my energy field and making sure that I'm creating, like I said, the biggest aura possible. What's the wisdom of the cold? So, you know, what I really realize is that what we're afraid of is death. And so when Mm. we're cold, we feel like we're just so much closer to that place where we're in danger and that we're, it's scary. And so um, when I'm in the, you know, I was doing a cold plunge the other morning, Adam opened the garage door and it was like four degrees outside and it's snowing. And I was just sitting there thinking like, what is the experience I'm having right now? And I was just like, I'm so... I'm so afraid to die. Like I'm, I'm afraid of like what it means to lose my life. And that is so beautiful to be there and to actually be so tender with yourself and be like, that is scary. Like, it's so scary. We don't know 
when our life force is going to leave us. And so when we put ourselves into, you know, really deep learning situations where we're on, where the physical body is being challenged, it becomes a spiritual teaching. And I just think that, you know, that that's the part of it for me. I was like, oh, we're just scared of dying. We don't, we don't want to lose this beautiful life we have. Well, not to try to follow up on your sage wisdom right now, because that was so good. That was so good. That fear of death is, it's universal. But the more that I've gone into that and felt it, and and yes, through ceremony, but also just through like my mom right now is in the emergency room and Mm -hmm. she's suffering and she's in her seventies. And so I've already asked for prayers from my community and everything, but it's reminding me of my own death. Like it's this, it's this remembrance of our mortality that in a way, you know, I've heard the phrase die before you die. Yes. Like we, we must, if we're going to be sovereign, we've got to learn how to die before we die. We have to practice. We have to, like yes. I'm, I'm, my hair is standing up because I'm like, it's so true. And and we have this society that is designed, like, look at the studio. It's all cush. Yeah. I got my, I can have food delivered. Like we have to be very aware. I almost said careful. We don't need to be careful. We just have to become aware Aware. of the world, the modernity world that we live in where with a snap of a finger or a push of a button or anything, we are being trained to be a slave or we are actually in control and more sovereign of the world that we live in. And oh my God, like the cold therapy is not any more easy for me any day. (laughs) I have the plunge XL Mm -hmm. shout out to plunge. We love (laughs) y'all. Link, link is right here. I'm plunging Shameless after this. Plug because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because legit, it is such a big deal that we experience this death before death. Yeah. I even, I was listening to Jordan Peterson a month or so ago and he said, you know, when you don't die properly, then you die really painfully. Yes. Like when yeah. you're not loving and caring for yourself, when you're not paying attention to the emotional, bo- the 10 bodies that you describe, mm-hmm. you, you don't actually die with honor. You don't die with grace, with sacredness. Mm-hmm. And then your body comes back around and it, takes vengeance out on you. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could comment on that. Well, you know, the thing that's coming in right now that I just want to share that I think um, is just really deep, deeply meaningful for me with regard to this is that, you know, my Kundalini teacher, her name was Guru Jagat. She died last year at 41 years of age. Yeah. And she, that was so wild. It was wild. I mean, a, 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 thromboid in her foot or pulmonary embolism. From, embolism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. From a broken ankle. Um, <gasps> Yeah. And so I think that, you know, what that brought to me, she wrote a book called Invincible Living. You know, I mean, she she embodied this invincibility that we just all expected she would be like kicking everybody's butt into, you know, her hundreds. And I just think that like what what was so beautiful is that when she passed, the community was so ready for that. All the other teachers stepped in. There was so much grace around it, even though it was very chaotic and kind of like tragic for the community because it was so sudden. That community was prepared for that on an energetic level because they had practiced dying before dying. She had practiced dying before dying. The other teachers practiced dying before dying. So like they understood that even though it was sudden and even though it was quote unquote tragic, they were immediately able to bring in this graceful transition immediately. And I was so captivated by that because you kind of expected the community just to crumble because she was just this pinnacle of light in that system. And I saw all of the teachers just hold it together so gracefully and so powerfully. And they just held the energy for the Sangat, for the spiritual family. And that really, really made an imprint for me because I was like, this is what 
they're talking about preparing for this death, like you're saying, so that you can die with grace. And so even though it was sudden, she was able to have this graceful, beautiful passing because everyone could hold it. And I think that that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to prepare to be able to hold that for for one another mm. when it happens inevitably. I get this feeling from what you're sharing. Like I'm feeling a lot of emotion actually right yeah. now, just in what you're sharing, because when we choose to not share what's hurting us, when we choose the opposite of vulnerability, which is really just stonewalling. Yeah. When I choose to stonewall, when any of us choose to stonewall, that's the thing that when we die, we're going to have to take an inventory about Yes. all those little micro cuts mm. where I chose to close my heart, where I chose to not be fucking honest, where I chose to, to really dishonor myself. And I'm not saying this out of shame because it's part of the human experience, right? Yeah. I wouldn't be able to learn the dark without the light and vice versa. Yeah. But I really wonder what is the truest inventory we can take right now mm -hmm. so that we don't have to wait until 50 years from now or whenever we leave, we don't know. It's a grand mystery. That's the part that actually, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, like death is a blessing. Yeah. I know it doesn't seem like that, but if we didn't have some kind of endpoint, we might not appreciate, we might not love fully. You might have gifted a thousand lives from a genie and you'd live a life of a thousand years closing your heart the whole time. Yeah. That's not a life that is well-lived. Right. That, that's not a life that I'm interested in. Mm. So I wonder from an inventory standpoint, like, is there a spiritual inventory mm. that we can take for that? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's more about actually being in the the conscious awareness in every moment so that it's not like at the end of the day, you're like, well, let me look back and see where I messed up today. It's actually having the wherewithal in the moment to notice, okay, this thing doesn't feel right. It feels off. Mm -hmm. I'm getting into a place where like, I'm not liking what I'm creating with my life force and actually kind of, you know, dealing with it in that moment. Because I think when we get into this idea of inventory, it means that essentially we're going to put it off and then get to it later. And I think that it's more about just having the actual, you know, the, the wherewithal to be like, okay, I can tell this is going into a place that isn't good for me or anybody else. And how can I shift it? Yeah. The repair process is interesting in a relationship. Maybe we can go into that a little bit because mm -hmm. probably what makes people or, or what, what probably adds to people's disease or discomfort to make them want to go to like a, be a, the wellness event or work with you in some capacity is that they're hurting. Yes. Right. And, and this yeah. hurting experience is universal, whether it's through trauma or just decisions that we made that weren't from love, we all hurt. Yeah. Everybody hurts. It's mm. like part, it's part of life. So I wonder if there's a way where when people do finally come to you, that there can be somewhat of an inventory in the moment mm -hmm. or in the present about, and not put it off to the side, but like really take that true inventory of what's hurting me, yeah. like what's actually hurting me. And what does the space look like for that hurt to be held and for that hurt to be worked with? Because mm. people could show up in a space and then use the excuse of that space not supporting them to never open their heart again. Yeah. You work with the wrong coach, you might be fucked for 20 years because that coach teaches your subconscious mind that you can't be vulnerable and you can't open. Mm. I think I said the word sangat earlier, which means spiritual family. And I think it's more important than ever to have a group of people that you can connect with spiritually, whether it's 
through your teacher, through whatever modality you're interested in. But it's so important to have a space in which your spirit can be held. And I think that that's one of the main things about Starseed Collective we've really tried to focus on is that, you know, you don't necessarily have to come in and share every dark secret or go through some kind of like confessional experience. But you're in a space where if those things come in and they arise and maybe we're doing certain practices where the emotions start to release or you start having memories, you're held in a room of beautiful medicine women that are going to hold that space for you to go through your own inventory, your your own experience. And so in less than like, um, you know, we don't necessarily be like, okay, well, let's figure it out together, but more like we're holding this for you. And as you come through the experience and start to unravel these pieces for yourself, we got you, you're safe, you're home. And I think that that's why spiritual family or, or even, you know, you don't have to put the word spiritual it could just be friends. You feel really safe with. Yeah. It's just more important than ever. Soul fam. Soul fam. Like true soul fam. True soul fam. People throw that around here in Austin. Yes. They're, they're like, I hear oh, it. I've heard it oh, your soul fam. I'm like, dude, we just <laughs> met at Starbucks five minutes ago. What are you, what are you talking about? So like that yeah. kind of like language can be weaponized in the spiritual world and, yeah. and we have to be not careful, but we just have to be aware of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so when people come to an event and I wanted to go to the one previously, I think it was in the forest. You were doing breath work and podcasting with like these redwood trees around you. It looks so epic. So epic. But but share with people and and also with me, like what's coming for 2023? Yeah. So in 2023, we have this beautiful event called B-Fest. And B-Fest is kind of a combination of everything we've been talking about. So you have the kind of more physical domain. You have like, you know, we're doing yoga and we're doing some like more physical practices that aren't quite as esoteric. We have teachers that are working a little bit more in that kind of that side of the polarity, you could say. Yeah. And then there's also beautiful um, teachers that are going more into the esoteric teachings and breath work. And I mean, breath work might be somewhere in the middle of the continuum, right? Sure, like sure. it might be a nice bridge. Yeah. Um, and then of course I'll be teaching a lot of Kundalini yoga. We'll have some kind of Akashic energy happening, but then what we do is we flood it all with sound current and we bring in amazing musicians like Porangi, you I'm sure are familiar oh, yeah. with yeah. Uh, DJ Drez, who's another really high vibration DJ brings in lots of amazing sound current. And, and so these events are places that you can come and you can be, like I just said, in that spiritual family, in that sangat, that container where, you know, we're not going to tell you what experience to have. We're not going to be like, well, when you get here, you should feel X, Y, and Z. We're just going to set the template so that you can decide, you know, choose your own adventure, so to speak, and then see what happens mm. and let let the experience unveil itself to you. So that's our, like our boutique, you could call it a boutique wellness experience, or like we call it a wellness retreat with a festival vibe because we've got kind of that music and, and fun, some, some like some good joy vibes in there too. You know what I mean? It's not just about going in and excavating because that's the other thing that happens in this wellness world is that we think every single event has to be about healing or fixing or, you know, something I got to go in and fix myself again. And at some point you have to like, remember you're a beautiful, joyous, loving, wonderful being right now. And so I think B-Fest is also the container to hold that so that you could just come in and have an amazing time and celebrate yourself and love Mm -hmm. yourself. So it's just so beautiful because it's just like this array of opportunity to see what comes through for you. My buddy Connor was on the show, Connor Beaton, and it was maybe a year ago. And he said, we are all addicted to the God of growth. Yes. Everyone's trying to go as deep as they possibly can. And we've applied this like modernity model, which is extended year over year growth with no break to spiritual development and personal development. It doesn't fucking work like that. No, You know, in nature, when the tree grows, it grows, 
it decays yeah. and it feeds the rest of the trees. Yeah. Nowhere in our natural world in nature is there always continuous year over year over year growth. Even those bristlecone pines that are like 2,400 years old, oldest trees in the world um, by the 395 in California, they're going to perish one day because yeah, everything has this like continuum of, of life, death and rebirth. Mm. And I think it's so fascinating because going harder isn't the answer yes. when it comes to growth. Yep. Like there's a certain cadence and a pace yes. to how you can grow. And honestly, I've, I've seen this and I wonder how you feel when people are so hard and so headstrong about growth, 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 they actually can re-traumatize themselves and they can hurt themselves more because the very thing that's driving them for the extended hard-headed growth is probably what injured them in the first place. Ugh. Thank you. Yeah. I had a teacher and she used to call it quite literally a growth period. And she would ask, well, how deep of a growth period do you want to have? And and the question meant like, how committed are you to like pushing the envelope so far that like you're just in this mess of growth all the time? And at what point do you kind of pull back, rein it in yes. and do some integration and allow yourself to be joyous and fulfilled? Mm. And I always love that because I feel like exactly what you're saying in this world, we're just constantly feeling like, well, well, let me go take this training and do this. And then, oh, now I've got an, and, and every, you'll even hear people say, there's always more work to be done. And you're just like, well, maybe, maybe you can take a break. Maybe you can actually just be happy for a little while. I yeah. think that's a very worthwhile endeavor. <laughs> or <in> maybe, this- <laughs> the, maybe the only way you're going to do the work that's still to be done is if you nourish yourself so you can do it. Yes. It's like a mom who has a baby, right? Like she goes through a period of like replenishing after she gives birth. Like oh, she, yeah. she, you know, often can't just go back to back to back. Like you have to actually give yourself that integration period and mm. that, you know, the regenerative period where you can then start to create and breathe new life into areas. So I I think it's Mm. just like, it's so important we talk about this because I think people feel guilty. They're like, oh, I'm not doing anything with myself. I should probably like go challenge myself or do whatever. And it's like, if you want to have that, you know, that dose every day, then the cold plunge is a perfect place to do that. You know, you can have that just like- You can find God in a cold plunge. You can find God every day in a cold plunge. You can. But you don't necessarily have to do 8,000 ayahuasca ceremonies back to back. You know (laughs) what I mean? (laughs) Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's explore this space. Like I, it's funny. I was talking with Carrie last night and, and I was holding my hands and I'm like, well, when I hold my hands, like that's where I hold you and Nova. I, I hold you with that masculine energy myself. But if I hold you too tight, yeah. I could squash you. Yeah. So the same mindset of me, I have to grow. I have to read all the books in my bookcase. That's not the path either. And I wonder for myself and for all of us, really what it takes is a recalibration period Mm -hmm. or or as you do your work with students in an integration space, Mm -hmm. because you can go to ceremony or you can live life as a ceremony. You can get all the things, you know, the PDFs, the podcasts, the books, you can sign up for your courses. You can do all the stuff, but if you don't like (sighs) take a breath Mm -hmm. and have a space where you integrate it, Mm -hmm. then really you're building a castle on sand. Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you create a space of integration for people? And we could talk about ceremony. We could also just talk about human life. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you integrate wisdom with people? Yeah. I mean, I'm really big on a daily devotional practice. And I think honestly, when you have a daily devotional practice, it's your time where you're actually watering the soil of your life. You know, you're actually nourishing yourself from the roots. And I think that that's so important because particularly in this kind of modality rich uh, tapestry that we're in, people want to jump from, you know, thing to thing and they want to just like immerse themselves in so many it, disciplines. It's so alluring. It's addictive almost. It like, I'm going to do like five trainings. Like 
Is that right? Yeah. And it's beautiful because we're so lucky. We have so much access to so many beautiful things. We're so lucky. We are. But I also feel like it's tempting to think that you have to do all of them. And I think it's really important that you find something that you love that you can stick with and that you can do daily and that it can nourish you daily in a very formulaic way almost. It's like, no, this is the thing I do every single morning or every single night. And it's the thing that I know keeps me strong and keeps me nourished so that when I do want to go into that next growth phase or I do want to tackle a new project or have another baby or do whatever mm. it is, I'm solid. I'm ready to take on that next, that next spurt of life. Can we talk about a little bit for people that have had psychic breaks or psychedelic trauma. Mm. Um, I know that you have done that in the past and I feel like you still do some of that work, right? So, well, you mean like work in, with like people? Like in- integration from people that may have had a very challenging or traumatic ceremony space? Yeah. You know, it's funny because with, with the Kundalini yoga, it's like a really, it's really just like bring whatever to the table, bring whatever to the sheepskin, just roll up, (laughs) just bring it, spill everything when you show up. Exactly. Yeah. And so I have worked with people who've had challenging experiences. Um, but it's not something that like I, I, you know, hang, what hang a shingle. What is it? What's the term? Hang a hat, whatever. Hang a hat. I'm like, yeah. hang something on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so, but you, you're skilled in doing that, but I would, I would think that the skills that you have for people that have had trauma or hard ceremonies probably still apply 100%. To, to people that might just have a loss of a loved one or a death in their life or a massive injury or whatever. What kind of people do you feel like you work most with? Mm. You know, I, I feel like I work with just a lot of people who are just curious like they're curious to just know, okay, what is, what's, what's available in this world and these particular modalities that I'm holding and sharing and, you know, have some kind of level of attainment. And I guess you could say, sure. I think they're just people that maybe look and they're like, okay, something's going on here. And I just, I want to understand what it is. And I, so I don't think it's necessarily like a type, but it's more just someone who really is like, I'm curious about why it seems like, you know, your energy or your field or your whatever is a certain way and why, you know, they, they can look at our life maybe and be like, okay, here's these people, they travel all over, they create these amazing experiences. Like they have this happy 20 year marriage. Like it's just like almost what's going on behind the curtain there. And so I think that's a lot of times why people come is they're just curious. They're just like, how is this happening? You know, and particularly with my marriage, you know, it's very, very rare to have a 20 year happy marriage. Like, especially where y'all still have sex. (laughs) Well, exactly. Because so many people become like brother, sister, right? Or roommates. Or roommates. Yeah. And Adam and I were just talking about this. It's like, if you don't actually have an awareness about that, it can easily slide into that space. And so there's all, you know, again, the reason that how you do everything is how you do anything. So it's sort of like our relationship, our home, our friendships, our businesses, it's all going to be reflective of the same energy field. And so people might come in for, you know, seeing one of those aspects of our life and our reality and be curious about it. But the truth of it is that it's all held in the same frequency and it all is the way it is because of a certain level of like how we live our lives and how we believe that, you know, we can, we can be sovereign in our experience. You said something that stuck. You said, believe mm-hmm. that's, that's it. Yeah. That it's so simple for my finite mind, but for my infinite mind, I know that's true. Yeah. Like my infinite mind is like, 
oh yeah, it's actually just an amalgam of my beliefs yeah. is the results of yeah. my life. Yep. It's such a grain of sand simplicity, mm-hmm. but it is so challenging for so many people to actually just take a true stock yeah. of the beliefs, right? Yeah. Especially in relationship. Because mm-hmm. I know that like, you know, a lot, the, the far majority of the audience is women. And so, so celebrating women and also understanding men, uh, to quote <laughs> Alison Armstrong that just came on, like, like for either a man or a woman, this um, inventory that we've talked about, and you described it in a cool way where you don't put it to the side, you actually do it right now. I'm sure that at these events, that inventory gets blasted wide open Yes, where it's not about the linear, what do I have to do? It's like, what's here in the moment that's blocking me from feeling fully fucking expressed, yes. which is how I feel you. Mm. You're a very, you're, you're a fully expressed human. Mm, thank you. And so there's a part of that, that it's probably why people are attracted to the event. Cause they're like, I want, I got, I want what she has, you know, <laughs> I want what, what Adam and Vanessa have. So how would you encapsulate that? Like, what do you think that is that essence? I mean, honestly, I think it's just us being seekers and just really trying to understand what it is for ourselves. Like we're not, we're not trying to put on a show. We're not trying to like, oh, well, let's put it out this way. So it looks a certain way. And that is like ditched down to this crevice where people will be attracted to us. Like we don't play that game. We really don't. Like we really just decided like, let's be as authentic as we can to ourselves in every moment. And let's keep seeking that out for ourselves. And let's be, let what we create be a byproduct of that. And I think that that's just, you know, it's not going to be the same for everybody. Like you're going to have a different thing, a different potion that makes Makes your life magical. But for us, it's just like, well, we don't really want to play all these games of making ourselves a certain way yeah. so that we attract a certain person. And people have said this for years. They're like, oh my God, we come to an event and you're actually like who we think you are. <laughs> like they hear us on our podcast or they whatever. And they're like, we've go to so many events or we, you know, you hear people in some kind of public forum and then you meet them privately and it's a completely different energy. I've experienced that a lot. Yeah. And it's yeah. very common in the wellness world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not even poo-pooing that necessarily because some people like have to almost put something on in order to put themselves out there. And so it's like, I I actually think I understand it in a way because maybe you're not naturally, naturally super comfortable, like just being out in that. So maybe you have to create yourself in a way to put yourself out in a a public forum. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I can understand that in a certain way, but for us, for our magic sauce and our magic potion, we're like, let's just keep figuring out what's really, really true and authentic to us and keep sharing that. And that's, that's it. I mean, you just broke down, in my opinion, the recipe for success about being fully expressed because there's no way that any of us could just feel like this. And if you're watching on YouTube, my hands are way out in the air. Like you cannot be fully expressed if there's something that's driving you to be depressed, yes. right? The opposite of depression is expression. Yep. So if people are depressed, maybe it's that curiosity that guides them to you. Cause they're like, I want that. I want that thing. I want that expression. I want to feel fucking good. Yeah. So there's something about this mysterious journey that we're pontificating about that we're making sense of and all that. But I really do believe that the quality of my life comes down to my beliefs and my vulnerability. Mm. What else do you think dictates the quality of our lives? I mean, I think really your relationships, you know, no and that starts with yourself. So if, if you don't have a deep relationship with yourself, then it's really hard to have a deep and meaningful relationship with anyone else. And back to the devotional practice, yeah. that's literally saying I'm going to have a deep and meaningful relationship with myself first every day so that I can show up powerfully for my other relationships. And I think that, you know, 
we are pack animals. We want to be in connection with people. It's just so vital to the very fabric of our being. And so I feel like, you know, just just having the the ability to have a relationship with yourself and cultivate relationships that are meaningful in your life is one of the most important keys to happiness and joy. There are so many little bites in this pod that people could just take, print it out and put it on the wall, <laughs> which I love. And, and I you love talked that. about mantras earlier too. Mm-hmm. So as we, as we round out, like what is a mantra knowing that we're mostly water mm-hmm. and you talked about the way that when people block the word God, they're actually not experiencing, experiencing that vibration. What is a mantra that you've been like really pulled to lately mm. and and why? Yeah. Oh, there's so many that are so good. But you know what I think I would love to bring in because this is so perfect for your mom right now. There's a specific mantra when somebody's hurting and specifically if they're in a medical situation and they need like immediate relief, you can actually send this sound current to the person. And it's Guru Guru Wahe Guru Guru Ram Das Guru. And when you think, when you hear the sound, you're like, okay, how does that help somebody? Or what's, what's the deal with that? But if you think about it, it's just vibration. Mm. Like you're sending out very, very specific sound codes and very specific vibratory expression out to that person in need. And so I think this is a perfect uh, way to exemplify the power of mantra is like when someone's in need and you feel like, what can I do? Here you are recording a podcast. Your mom's in the emergency room. You feel a little helpless. Mm-hmm. You're like, I, I want to help this person, but like all I can do is ask for prayers, pray myself. You can send out this vibration through the sound current that is specific to helping someone in in kind of that that deep moment of need. And I think when you have access to that kind of awareness, like, oh, there are specific sounds, frequencies, mantras I can say that will send out a vibration and have its own, you start working in its own magical way. It's a really, really powerful tool. And even if you don't believe it, it's just nice to feel like you can do something for someone. Mm-hmm. Like devotionally, I can sit here and send something to your mom. Can we do it again? Yes. And okay. actually we could do it 11 times is the magic number if you want to do it. All right, let's do it. Okay. Okay. Guru Guru Wahe Guru Guru Ram Das Guru 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 Inhale Send the sound current to her And anyone listening, send it wherever it needs to go. It's here for you too. Hold the breath. And exhale. (sighs) It's so beautiful, right? Maybe that's the first time that people have taken that deep of a breath all day long or felt that vibration all day long. Super grateful for you. I love how this came together. Mm. This has been one of my most fun conversations and we covered a shit ton of ground. (laughs) 
So what did we miss though? I mean, I, I think about the way that you show up, which is like I told you before we recorded, like a queen bee, Aww. you know, the bee of the wellness. People think of bees as like this frenetic activity, but it's not. Bees are super intelligent. When they know the queen is somewhere, they'll like intrinsically just go there. Yeah. And it's because the queen just resides, mm. right? So what what about you did we miss? What about your offerings or what do we miss that's juicy? Yeah. I mean, I think in terms of offerings, you know, just uh, getting into an event with us, it's just one of those things where it's like, you just get to be in it, be, be in it. <laughs> Good plan. Pun words. Intended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, you know, you, you just get to actually deposit yourself into the frequency of the goings on and you just get to have an experience. And I think that wherever you can get in with us, uh, you know, I highly recommend BeeFest because it's just such an awesome, epic culmination of all the things that you and I are both up to and love. Yeah. When's and the next one? The next one is April 26th through okay. 30th. So yeah. y'all are going to have time. So we'll leave yes. a link on the screen right now. Yes. If you want to sign and up. And we'll give your audience a special code so they can get an amazing discount hey, on the event. Yeah. Can we do Josh? We can do Josh. Okay, the code is Josh. So just click this link and if it'll you're be five hundred dollars off. That's pretty juicy. Five hundred dollars off. Thank yeah. you. Yes, Thank you're you welcome. Thank and, you. And April, uh, where is it? April twenty sixth through thirtieth. It's at this beautiful place called House of Aya Palmaya in uh, Playa Riviera, uh, Mexico. <sighs> and it's good. so beautiful. That the place good. is insane. We got to get you there. I would like, love to go, but you know, oh, our baby, your baby, your baby. Okay. <laughs> I kind of got to tend to that. Yes, Otherwise I'd, I'd rock out with yep. you at the event, Yes, but exactly. maybe the following one. Yes, absolutely. And, and there'll be information here about everything that Vanessa does with yes. Adam. Yes. Vanessa, what a gift. Oh, I'm so like, this has been majestic. Mm. And I, and I mean that because I had all these notes and questions and maybe I asked you like three of them. Uh, I love when that happens. <laughs> but the question that I asked you in Santa Monica, like three plus years ago, I'm curious how you'd answer it now, especially with the things that you've been opening up to and expanding to. It's this concept that I always am just so freaking curious about. I'm like, how do I live my life well? How do I truly embody the, the mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial nourishment that I need to live my life well? How do you define that? Mm. Like what, what is wellness to you now? And has that changed in the past three plus years? Mm. It's the quality of each and every moment. And it's really tending to the quality of this moment right now, because if you think that you're going to get over, you know, into some other timeline, some other space where then it's going to be beautiful, then it's going to be joyous, then I'll be fulfilled. Then you're always putting off happiness. You're always putting off wellness. You're always putting off really honoring the beauty that's available right now. And so the thing that I've taken on as my own internal kind of affirmation to myself is just Pay attention to the quality of each and every moment. And if you can do something in this moment right now to just turn up the vibration, to turn up the joy, turn up the love, just turn some little frequency up that makes the quality and the specialness of this moment right here a little bit more shiny, then that's it. Now you can officially drop the mic <laughs> if it wasn't on a stand. <laughs> you guys, thank you for being here with us. Make sure you check out Vanessa's podcast that she is going to be refreshing this we'll year. bring it back, yeah. Okay, but for sure though, if, if you felt something inside of yourself that is curious about the event, click the link on the screen. It's super easy. And thanks for the discount. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, running events ain't cheap. So discounts <sighs> are so appreciated. And it might push somebody over the line who's like, oh, okay, well- 
I'm getting a hookup. Covers your <laughs> so, flight, right? So I'll go, right? <laughs> yeah. um, from my heart to yours, until Vanessa and I see you again on another pod, we're both wishing you love and wellness. We'll talk to you soon. 